Praise the Lord. Amen. Hey, take out hymn book. It's okay to do this. No Pentecostal. Bible doesn't say anything against hymn books. Amen. Say we're going to do this every time. Change the way we do things around here. But take out your hymn book tonight and turn to, um, let's see here, page 541. You know, there's nothing more satisfying than spending time with Jesus and your right with God. Amen. There's nothing more exciting, nothing more satisfying than spending time with Jesus if you're right with God. Amen. Now, if you're not right with God, that's a different story. Amen. Amen. Let's sing this hymn. In the garden. Stand with your feet. Let's just worship Jesus. Listen to the words of this hymn. Amen. As we sing it, I want you to I like pulling the hymn book out sometimes when we sing these hymns because you get to read the words. Right. And so they, they kind of register with you a little more, perhaps. And so I want you to think about these words tonight and just enter into the presence of God. Amen. Sing it with me. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still Walks with me and he 
We thank you, Lord, that you are to us, God. We thank you, Lord, that you tell us of you, that we are your own, God. That there is great joy in knowing the world. Oh, God, peace and peace, God, not as the world. But, oh, God, in peace and surpass it all in your sanctity, God. We thank you for your presence tonight, God. We thank you for your great salvation, God. We thank you for this great privilege, God, of knowing you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Blessed be your name. Amen. Blessed be seen tonight. Take out your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 24. Amen. I preached this message about four years ago, or four and a half years ago, but the, the Lord has led me back to it. Amen. Here tonight, the young men. So we're going to be reading in Luke chapter 20, 24, starting in verse 13. I'm going to read a considerable portion here because I want, I know we're familiar with this story, but I want it to be fresh in our minds because we're going to be making some applications out of this text tonight. So starting in verse 13, Luke 24, And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs. They talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? And the one of them whose name was Clovis, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? And hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre. And when they found not his body, they came, saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were, which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it, and brake and gave to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose up the same hour, and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven gathered together, and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way, and how he was known of them, in breaking of bread. Amen. The simple title for this message that I have is, It's Not Enough. It's Not Enough. The subtitle, it's a big deal. Amen. May God help us to have ears to hear. Father, in the name of Jesus, yes. we come before you, Lord. Yes. 
God, I pray, God. I, Lord, I don't have anything, God, in love of myself, Lord. God, I know you want to talk tonight, God, and I just yield myself to you, God. Oh, God, I pray, Lord, that the Spirit of God come in this place, yes, Lord, yes. and awaken some of us, oh, God. God, I pray, Lord, you know the need, God, you know, oh, God, the depth, oh, God, of the need, Lord. And I pray, God, tonight that your Spirit would talk, God, that your word would be preached, oh, God. Lord, I submit to you, God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, Christianity at its core is an understanding that apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. And you know, that's not just a nice slogan. That's not just something we put on a t-shirt and, and wear it at LSU or something. No, that's a reality, friend. We need Jesus. We can't do this in and of ourselves. We're going to miserably fail if we try to do this apart from the divine life of Christ. Amen. But just because we say that, and just because we acknowledge that, just because I tell Brother Jude, I need Jesus, and Brother Jude says, you're right, Brother, I need Jesus too, doesn't mean that I actually believe that I need Jesus. See, we can talk about it, but do we really act like that? You know, blind Bartimaeus was a man who had great need. Jesus came by his way, and when Jesus came by his way, he heard that Jesus was coming by his way, he cried out. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. You see, he realized he had a need and he acted in in correspondence to that need. Friend, if we don't cry out to God, we can say all day long, I need Jesus. Raise your hand if you need Jesus tonight. Amen. Amen. We all agree with that. But if you don't cry out, you don't really believe it. You don't cry out to God and and cry out to God about your need to know Him and to walk with Him and to have victory with Him. Then, friend, you don't believe a word of it. We're no better than Richard Dawkins who says he doesn't need God to be a moral person. And that's the way some of us act, don't we? At the root, it's the same price, self-sufficiency. I don't need God in this thing. Amen? And perhaps you'd say, well, I, I know I need Jesus, but it's not really urgent. You, know, you wouldn't say that. But some of us act like that. It's the way we act. Just prove you don't see. You don't see the desperate situation we're in. You know, if you're stuck in a desert, if Brother Preston was, if I dropped him off out in the Sahara Desert, no water, no nothing, he just dropped him, take him right here, send him out in a jet airplane to the Sahara Desert and drop him off. Well, it's not going to be very long. The main thought that's going to be in his mind is I've got to get some water. That's going to be it. He ain't going to worry about anything else. He ain't going to be worried about his job, you know. I wonder what they're thinking over there, you know. No. Maybe at first you think that, but for long he's going to be like, if I don't get some water, I'm going to die. And everything is going to be calculated so that Brother Preston is trying to find water. And friend, if you see your need, Amen. That your need is Jesus. That's the way you're going to respond. You're not just going to sit there and think about trivial things. You're going to see your need to cry out to God. A man walks up to Brother Preston while he's in that desert and says, here's a jug of water. Brother Preston says, you can set it over there, you know. Amen. He wound up dying. Amen. With that kind of spirit. That's how it is in the spirit. God offers you a jug of water. And you say, well, I set it over here, even though you're dehydrated. You're nearly dead. Amen. That's how we all see our situation spiritually. 
if we don't get a hold of God, if we don't get a revelation of God, we are going to die individually. That's just the truth. Our families are going to die, and our church is going to die. That's, that's, that's real, folks. If our church doesn't have revival, if I don't have revival, if our families don't have revival, we're going to die. This thing is going to go the way of the dinosaur. Happened to many of us. It'll happen right here again. And when the spirit, of, when the spirit of God leaves, that's when deception begins. You wonder how families lose the presence of God. You wonder how churches go the way of the dinosaur, if you will. Amen. They go extinct. There's no longer no life there. It's because they heard preaching like this, and they didn't do anything about it. Come on, right? They heard the word of God, but they didn't obey it. They were just hearers. They weren't doers. Right? And that's what'll happen right here. And that's what's happening to some of us up in here. You people that left you, that's exactly what happened that's to them. Right, yeah. And if you don't get a hold of God, that's what's going to happen to you. Yes, sir. Amen. I want to revive. Come on. And I don't want it, you know, it's not just selfish thing. Like, I wish all of y'all would get spiritual and quit holding us up. Even though maybe you are holding us up. If you are, you repent. Get right with God. Yeah. And I'm not worried about that. Okay. For Jesus' sake. Yeah. And for the victor preached. Amen. That was a glorious message. For the sake of Christ. For the sake of what Jesus did for you. For the sake of what Jesus is offering to you and our church right now. Why don't we get a hold of God? Come on. For the glory of God. That God might be glorified. Amen. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with wanting revival. And wanting people to repent. They're hindering revival. Some, of, some people are hindering revival. Amen. If you're not right with God and you're coming up in here and bringing that in here, you are hindering revival. But individually, we can have revival. I'm the only one hindering me from having revival. And you know, I'm tired of stagnating in a religious run. Amen? Whether that's individually or, cor or corporately. And we need to be tired of that. Amen? Amen. Amen. If we stay in a religious run, eventually that's going to become a ditch. And we'll be stuck in that ditch. And, and it'll, be, it'll be terrible. Right? How does that happen? It happens because we didn't believe we needed Jesus. And so therefore, as long as we don't believe we need Jesus, we're going to be stuck right there. Right. Nowhere. Right. You say, well, I, I, I plan on going to hell. Yeah, you will. You'll go straight to hell. Come on. That's right. You'll go straight to hell. You're stuck right there. So you're willing to humble yourself. Uh -huh. Or you're going to be stuck. Amen. Tonight we're going to look at this, this story of the Emmaus experience. And I want to just make four observations about these two men and, and make some practical applications. And then, and then look at the answer. Amen. The way back. Amen. To a present personal revelation of God. That's what we need. That's what we need. A personal, present revelation of God. Individually. Amen. I'm not, not me looking over and saying, Brother Joshua, you need a present, personal revelation of God. Right. That, that, yeah, okay. No. no I need Amen. I need He does too. Amen. We all need this. Amen. I'm preaching, so praise God. But I need, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me. I mean, we have to see that. We have to come to God, you know, as we are. But we're not going to leave as we are. We're going to be changed. Amen. Either for good or for worse. First of all, these were normal men who had legitimate and lawful business to attend to. And I don't believe these men were going to the Emmaus Strip Club. I don't think so. I don't gather that from the text. Amen. They weren't headed to some drunken party in Emmaus. They weren't headed to go see the chosen. Amen. In the maze. 
Amen. Amen. I watched a little bit of that today. Disgusting. That's right. I didn't watch the video. <laughs> no, I watched some of the interviews. Just the foolishness. Just the, the mockery of Jesus Christ. The shame. And all the mormons. But anyways, they weren't going there for the chosen. Praise God. One of them might have been carrying a weed eater. And the other one might have been carrying a blower. One of them might have been carrying a pipe wrench, Brother Wesley, and the other one might have been carrying a ladder. One of them might have, been, might have had a hat on that said, Emmaus won landscape, Brother Joseph. Or they might have had, you know, Emmaus GTO, technologies. <laughs> they were men much like us who had important business right. to do. And there was nothing wrong with them going to Emmaus. But there is something wrong when we're more committed to the natural things of life than we are to the things of God. There's something wrong with that, friend. When we're more committed and more resolved in our own personal businesses than we are to the business of knowing God. Something wrong with that. If we could take our spiritual employment and engagement in the Father's business and transform that to our physical, natural businesses, what would it look like? What would it look like? Just think about that. Would we look like Brother Brian? Or would we look like the moves that Brother Charlie used to sing about? Sack of groceries, flowing out of me, or into me. From working chores, I long to be free. All I want to do is eat, sleep, and play, and I'll have the victory just getting my way. Would that be what it looks like? Some of us, that's what it would look like. What kind of employee are you in the business of the Father? You know, employers can't stand laziness, inefficiency, not being engaged, not being dedicated, being a drain. Right? Right? right. I don't like that. I don't think you like that either. Yet the way God deals with me is if I don't like that in employees, yes, sir. don't treat God like that. That's right. Don't treat the Spirit of God like that. We have expectations of our employees. And if they if Samuel does something and he doesn't do it right, I'm going to let him know. If Luke does something, Jordan's going to let him know. Amen? And he's right to do so. But if as God's employees, we don't do right, God's going to let us know. That's right. And we're going to have to receive it. And you know, he might just let us know through the foreman. All right, humble, I'll, I'll hear God when he comes down and a spooky little, you know, voice speaks out of heaven, you know. Man, maybe God will speak to you out of a voice out of heaven. More than likely, he'll speak to your father. Maybe through your boss even. Your older brother. Maybe your younger brother. Your pastor. Your parents. Amen. You know, Brother Britt has entrusted Jordan with the crew of eating lawn care. Brother Britt's in charge, Right? Amen. But Brother Britt has entrusted Jordan to be in charge of the crew. I mean, he delegated that authority to Jordan. So Luke is under Jordan. Praise God. So if Jordan tells Luke to do something, it's really Brother Britt telling Luke to do something. Isn't that right? Jordan is Brother Britt's direct representative to the crew. That's right. How that works. Amen. I had to learn that. <laughs> Now, what if Jordan corrects Luke for leaving grass in a parking lot, and he says, and he wouldn't have to say this because he's speaking for Brother Britt, but what if he tells him, he says, Luke, 
Daddy does not want you leaving grass in that parking lot. He's made that very clear to me, and I'm here to enforce that because I'm his representative. And then he might just tell him, get the grass out for him. I told you not to do that. And that would be fine because he's representing Brother Britt. And what if Luke tells Jordan, I'm not going to do that. Daddy don't care. Are you serious? Daddy couldn't care less. I mean, look at that bale of hay right there. I mean, look at it. Come back, bring, you know, we're going to go home and get the trailer and bring it back for the cows, you know? Like, but Daddy don't care about that. That's your little pet peeve, Jordy. That's just you just doing that. You're just picking on me. Amen. I know what Daddy thinks. You don't really know what Daddy thinks. Come on, Jordy. You know better. You know what? If Luke did that, oh, he'd be attacking Jordan. But he'd be attacking with Brent. He'd be attacking with his daddy. He'd be attacking with his daddy. Because Brother Britt's authority is invested in Jordan. Amen. Jordan just represents Brother Britt within that scope of, you know, that, in that realm of the crew. Amen. And it's the same principle in the kingdom of God. Right. When your pastor or your parents or, or your boss or somebody in your life, amen, speaks to you and gives you the word of the Lord and you say, no, I don't want to listen to that. Where is that at in the Bible? Of course, they meant it needs to be scriptural. But there are things, there are principles, okay? You know, they're like, like Brother Britt said, the Bible doesn't say where to put the thermostat at. Amen. There are principles, amen. Obedience, submission, honor, all these things. If you're not honoring your parents, you're not a Christian. You know? You don't honor your, the authority in your life, you're not right with God. Don't, don't kid yourself. You're not right with God. Your father comes to you and he expresses his displeasure towards you in a certain area of your life. And then he shows, he tells you there's a weakness here. You had a wrong spirit here. You just bristle up and, you know, that's just you. You just think that. Amen. You're not right with God until you make that right. Then you come up in here, you can lift your hand, you can do whatever you want. Amen. But you're not right with God until you, until you receive. Amen. Whether he's right or wrong. Amen. It doesn't really matter. You've got to have a spirit of humility and receiving correction. So what if he's wrong or right? And you don't have to figure, you just have to submit. You have to come under. Now, if it's something that's blatantly unscriptural, there's a bit you can appeal. You understand. There are there's things, but you have to have a right spirit. And that's where so many people go wrong. People that left here, they didn't have a right spirit. That's right. Now, if Luke was told by Jordan, I want you to take that Kubota mower, and I want you to chase every person that comes out of that door right there, that business. And then I want you to take the mower, and I want you to run it through the front door of that business right there. Well, amen. Luke knows that blatantly against what his daddy wants, so he could, he could appeal he could appeal to his father in that situation. That would be a good time to appeal. And it's the same principle that he did God. If your authority is telling you something that's blatantly unscriptural, that completely goes against the Bible, it's asking you to sin, amen. You can appeal and, and, and go to, and if, and if they're teaching you that, then you need to find somewhere else to go, amen. Right, yeah. no. But you have to have a spirit of honor. That, that's yeah. what we're getting at. And you know, that's not, I don't believe for the most part that's taking place here. Right. The devil is not telling you to pray. Amen. The devil's not telling you to press in. The right. devil's not telling you you need to read your Bible more. The right. devil's not up here saying, why don't you lift your hands and worship God? That's not the devil. That's the Spirit of God. That's the Holy Ghost. 
So we need to be as dedicated and we need to be more dedicated to the kingdom of God and to the Father's business than we are to our own natural businesses. And I realize natural bit work is spiritual. It is spiritual. Amen. God has called me to work. That is important. But it's not as important as some other things. Amen. It has its place. Amen. But we've got to keep it in its place. Or otherwise, it'll overrun everything else that God's called us to do. And before we know it, we won't even have a prayer life. We won't have a relationship with God. We have to make sure our values are in the right place. The one thing needful. You know, in eternity, I doubt. I highly doubt. Amen. That we're going to look back and we're going to think, you know what? I wish we'd worked more, man. Come on. I mean, I wish we'd have put in more hours. I wish we'd have... Man, I wish we'd have bigger trucks and, you know, bigger mowers. That's right. Man, I wish we could have, you know, killed bigger bucks. And, you know, I, I wish, man, I wish I could have made a million dollars on the stock market. Man. Yeah. Oh, my one big regret when I get to try. Man, yeah. I wish I'd have made a million dollars on the stock market. You, you, no. It's not what we're going to be thinking at all. Right. That's going to be right. the furthest That's thing from right. my mind. When we get to eternity, we're going to think, God, why didn't I pray more? Why didn't I read my Bible more? Why did I listen to the Word of God more? Why did I pay attention when the Holy Ghost was talking to me? And I was sleeping in the Spirit. That's what we think about. Those are the things. And like I said, they have their place. Amen. But we need to think eternally. And then we need to have a right priority, as Billy Clinton talked about. It's so easy to get busy and distracted with the natural things of life. And then we, we find we don't have time. To spend with God and no time for the one thing needful, which is to maintain and develop an intimate relationship with God. The only reason we don't have time for that is because we don't make time for it. That's right. We don't make time for it. We don't take time for it. It takes time to live holy. It takes time to know God. Are we more dedicated to our customers than we are to God? Yes, sir. I'll be there at your house, 530 sharp. Prayer meeting? Eh, it's okay. Yeah, I'll be there tomorrow. You know. And I understand sometimes, you know, you have to leave early. I mean, that happens, amen? But is your, where's your heart? Come on. Do you want to be at that prayer meeting? Come on. Do you want to be at the church service? I know Brother Wesley, sometimes they send him out of town. I mean, he can't be here. I understand that. Amen? But, but where's, 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 I believe his heart is here. Amen? But where's your heart? Amen? That's the real question. Are we yeah. here in spirit? Amen? And some of us, we're here in body, but we're not here in spirit. We're here, but our heart's not here. Amen? That's right. You know, carnality always devalues the things of God. And the problem, once again, is the lack of a present, personal revelation of God. That's the problem right there. You don't seek God for who he is. You know, the sin lovers, broken record sermon text, is what? Come on, somebody. Judge not. There you go. But you know, I found a new one for those that don't like work. The Bible says, labor not. For the meat that perishes. Don't tell them that to the lazy bum. They'll be preaching now about labor. Labor not for the meat which perishes, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. Amen. It doesn't mean don't labor. It means you must look up and see the eternal. Labor for the things that are eternal, not for the things that are going to pass away. I even found something else. You know, our culture, this is, our, this is the motto of our culture. Jesus said, think not that I'm come to destroy the law and the prophets. So they, they have this, their slogan is, thou shalt not think. That's our culture. Amen. And they can't, they so can't think that they can't even think to think about it. But 
We have to have our priorities are right. Right. Moving on to our next point. These men can talk and reason about Jesus. That's what they're talking about. Uh -huh. They weren't talking about foolish things. Amen. Yeah. They weren't sitting there talking about mowers and all the, you know, and then, like I said, there's, there's a place for that. But that's not even what they were talking about. Jesus had just taken the sin of the world upon his shoulders. He had died, he was buried, and he had just risen from the dead. All those fundamental elements of Christianity had just happened. And what are they? That's exactly what they're talking about. And that's a good thing. Amen. And I, I believe we need to cultivate, amen, an atmosphere where, where we can easily flow in, in talking about the oh, things of yeah. God. If you're right. if you get around people and they just they don't want to talk about Jesus. Something yeah. wrong. That's all right. That's a bad wrong. The empty tomb was fresh in their minds, and it was at the forefront of their thoughts. Yet even with it being front and center, they had no real understanding of the things in which they spoke. They could talk about the facts. They could talk about how the tomb was empty. They could talk about how the women had seen Jesus risen from the dead. They could talk about how Jesus said he would rise again. But they just couldn't get it. And I'll tell you why, because it's not intellectual. It's a, a matter of the heart. Right, it's right. a matter of the spirit. Come on. Yes, sir. They knew the he's intellectual. They knew the facts. They heard the eyewitnesses. But it wasn't enough. Right. And I want you to know, the only people who can truly have an understanding of God are those who know God personally, who have taken the time to spend with Him so that they can get to know Him. Memorize everything. You can memorize, and there's nothing wrong with memorizing the whole Bible. It would be a good thing to do. Amen. And I would encourage you, amen, to that end. I'm not, you know, the way you eat an elephant, bite it one, one at a time. One little bite at a time. Amen. So, amen. Don't try to memorize the whole Bible in five minutes. Amen. Take it slow. Praise God. Amen. Set you some goals. Amen. Nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. But let me tell you something, friend. I can memorize this whole book and yet not know the author. Yes, sir. Not know the author of the book. Come on, man. If I don't take time to spend. You know, I can talk about the President of the United States, amen? All day long, I can reason about him, but yet to truly understand him, to truly be able to communicate about him, I would have to know him. We have to have a heart that's one with God. I like what Brother Troy said. I believe, I believe it was Brother Troy. I believe it was Brother Troy. Correct me if I'm wrong. He talked about the yoke of Christ Sunday morning. And if it, to take that yoke Christ upon you is to be coupled That's with right. Christ. And therefore, you can't, you can't just go anywhere you want and just do the things that you want to do. That's so wrong. That's so rich. Amen. It's so good. And this is the reason why you can hear people talk, and yet, and they say the right things, yet there's a chasm between what they say and their actual relationship with the object of the talk. It doesn't cost anything to talk about God, but it costs everything to know the God you're talking about. Amen. Yeah. That's the truth. Amen. It costs you everything. Right. It's not enough to be able to talk about it. It's not enough to be able to reason about God and the atheist and LSU. We have to have a personal, present relationship with the God we talk about. As Raven Hill said, I mean, do we know the Word of God? Or do we know the God of the Word? Amen. And I believe, of course, even the Word of God, I don't want to you know, divide between those two. But, you know, like I said, we can know the Bible. Whether we know the author of the Bible. And you know, we, a lot of us, we sat here under this preaching and this vision for so long. Dude, and some of you, you could get up here and you could preach the messages Brother Charlie preached, Brother Britt preached. Probably preaching pretty good. That you don't have an understanding, you have no idea of what it truly is about. Right. 
And you know, how do you describe this? It's difficult for me to describe. And the only way that I can really, you know, the illustration that I've thought of, you know, as far as describing this, I would have to describe it as a difference between me. You know, if I was having a conversation with somebody and I was telling you about lightning, and I was telling you about the power of lightning, and, you know, just, you know, I saw lightning and hit a tree, you know, 50 feet from me, you know, there was a, uh, there was a loud crash, and it was, you know, very dramatic, the tree caught on fire, and a thick streak down the tree, and it was really dramatic. Yet it would be a lot different if I had come to you and I said, you know what, I got struck by the lightning. I got hit by the lightning, amen. It'd be a vast difference, amen, because I experienced the lightning that I'm talking about. Yeah. And you get a revelation of God, That's and right. you experience it. You experience it. It's not just good. something you've talked about, oh, something other people have talked about, something you've read about. No, you've got it! You've experienced it! You know it in your heart! That's right. It becomes real to you. And things that you've known all your Christian life will suddenly become a reality. That's suddenly right. the light will turn on and you'll see things you never saw before. And you'll get in an altar and you'll say, God, why did I see it before? I was so blind. That's the difference, friend. Yes, sir. That's the difference. Possessing the truth and possessing a knowledge of the truth are two different things right. all together. Totally is truth merely in your head or is it in your heart? Right. Where is it at? Is it who you are or is it just facts tucked away on the shelf in your head? Amen. The third observation about these men. And let me, let me say this. To see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. Amen. If you're, and, and, you know, the Bible says examine yourself to see whether you be in the faith. I, I believe people can fall away. Amen. That can happen. Well, and if that's happened to you, you, you just need to get born again. Right. Just get right with God. Just let it, get, find an altar and pray. Seek God till you get through to God. Amen. But you're going to have to be born again to see. Amen. That's fundamental. Amen. I, I believe I need to point that out. The third observation about these men is that right in the middle of their conversation about Jesus, Jesus himself shows up. How about that? But they lack the personal, present revelation of who Jesus was. They walked with Jesus. They met Jesus. You know, if I was going, if I was walking into vines and I see Preston, I'm going to recognize him. Unless he's wearing a mask or something. I'm going to recognize him. Hey, brother Preston, there he is. These were men that have walked with Jesus. They were familiar with Jesus. They followed him everywhere. But that wasn't enough. Jesus walked right up in the middle of their conversation and they didn't even recognize him. And how many times has God come by and we didn't even recognize it because we were so bound up by our carnal trivialities? Right, right, sir. No sensitivity to the Spirit of God. Amen. We've been raised in this young people. You hear me? That's not enough. Most of us have had an experience with God, but we've got to go further. It's not enough to have been born again. Five. 10, 15 years ago. No, we've got to have it right now. Right now. We have to have fellowship with God right now. It's not enough to have met him. Amen. Three years ago. We have to meet him every single day. Amen. And walk with him. Walk with him. Brother, we preached on the street with Jesus. Oh, we had some of the greatest prayer meetings, brother. Yeah, I've, heard, I've heard some people. Right here. I mean, they're not here anymore. Somebody come around and they, they want to talk about, you know, an event they preached at 10 years ago. And they didn't been preaching, you know, six, seven, eight years. Right. What's wrong with you? Right. Make a fool of yourself. 
Everybody can see right through you. Amen. Oh, well, you know, some people say this. I'm out of the baby Christian stage now. I've matured. God forbid. Brother Preston, I pray God. You never get to the point where you say, well, I'm matured out of the baby Christian stage. I'm not going to be as fired up for Jesus. That's the only backslide. Amen. Or you say, well, I'm just, I know I'm not spiritual like I used to be. You know, there's some of you right here, right here tonight. You say, well, I know I'm not where I need to be. But, you know, I'm going to get there eventually. I don't know I'm not where I need to be, but, you know, I'm still, I'm still here. I mean, that counts for something, right? Who would laugh? It's not a joke. Right, right, right. It's not a joke. Yeah. You might be here tonight. Amen. But I'm here to tell you, friend, Holy Ghost ain't going to strive forever. Spirit of God's not going to strive forever. Amen. You have a payday coming. You're not going to escape it. Amen. Spirit of God dealing with you. And if you go up and you in a corner trying to trying to get a hold of you, one day, friend, it's going to be over. Holy Ghost will never deal with you again. Let's pray. Less evangelism. Less devotion. Less fellowship with God. Less consecration. Less conviction. Less conviction. Less discipleship. Doesn't equal more. Doesn't equal more. And it doesn't equal maturity. It equals backslide. And some of us backslid. Twelve months ago, we were more excited for Jesus than we are today. What is that? That's backslide. Some of us, you know, twelve months ago, we were fired up for God. There was a visible excitement. Everybody could see it. Gone. Backslid. We let the world of the flesh creep into our hearts and the fire is gone. We let the fire go out. We let the fire go out. And it's time. Amen. To rekindle the fire. Amen. To let God, to let the Spirit of God rekindle the fire inside of our heart. Amen. A zeal for the house of God. A zeal for the glory of God in this place. That's what we need. Let fire to be rekindled in our heart. Yes, sir. The Bible says their eyes were holding that they should not know him. They were blinded to who he really was. And you know, about four years ago, Amen, I was doing some work in the shed one day and trying to get the we were having the dogs separated, I believe it was, because you know how dogs are, they'll kill each other over food. Amen. So I was trying to separate the dogs and get them, you know, taking care of them with the food. And I walked in that shed, and I don't know if it was the dust, it was kind of a musty shed, you know, and we had all kind of junk everywhere and dirt up in there. And, and I walked in there, and when I walked out, I could tell something was off of my eye. Something was strange. And I really couldn't put my finger on it, what was going on, but my vision, something was just off. And I began to get a little concerned about it, and, and it kind of bothered me and worried. It wasn't like just a speck of dust in my eyes. It was like something was just off, amen. And it, it concerned me. It was bothersome. And, uh, you, know, I, well, I, you know, I talked to my mother about it, told her, you know, what had happened. And she said, well, you just need to you know, rest your eye for a little bit, you know. And so I did. I went, I went and rested. And when I went to rest, amen, the Spirit of God came by and spoke to my heart. And I began to weep. Because he told me, here's what he told me. He said, when just a little something was off of your eye in the natural, you begin to get really concerned. And yet many times, many times your vision of Jesus has become so obscure and you just act like nothing is right. Nothing's wrong. Just business as usual. And it broke me that day. I believe God had that happen 
Just so you can speak that out of Amen. How many of us, amen, will get concerned about something in the natural? Amen. That's important to us. Amen. But yet our eyes toward Jesus are totally blind. And we just go our merry way like no big deal. Amen. These men, they can tell you about Jesus more than most people. But it wasn't enough. Amen. I believe in doctrine. I believe in conviction. But if our doctrine and conviction is divorced from divine life, then it becomes dead and cold. You know, the Muslims can dress modestly externally, but they're just as lost as the immodest ladies at Walmart. Right. Amen. I know we're not preaching to ladies tonight. Men need to dress modest too. Amen. It's important. It's essential. But it's not enough. You cover yourself from head to toe and go straight to hell. You don't know Jesus. I mean, you know, so many times Jesus walks right up to us. And we're so blind because of our carnality that we cannot see that it's Jesus standing right there in front of us. That annoying person. Mm -hmm. That's where it gets prideful. That's where it gets down to the nitty gritty. That aggravating customer, man. I'll tell you what. My little name, man. You know what I'm talking about. Always something. A little something here there. Check out little things in the yard. You killed my strawberry plants. Their grass was that, you know, it was that tall. I'm just all the time. Amen. I gotta see past that. And you know, God wants me to be a blessing to that man. God wants me to be a testimony. God, how am I gonna minister to him if all I can see is an annoying, aggravating person? Think about it. Frustrate situation. Amen. It's, I'm not saying it's easy to do that. You have to choose, amen, to see Christ in every situation. That's right. Amen. And we may not always see it in the heat of the moment. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You get in a basketball game. Amen. Jesus is right there. Right. In that basketball game. I'll teach you a lesson about patience. I'll teach you a lesson about, you know, how to respond to conflict. Amen. Or, or whatever it is. Having a sportsman-like attitude. Amen. Amen. Being a blessing to your, you know, and of course, I mean, I'm not saying we negate all the rules, and we can't have a discussion about that. Amen. But you know, we need we need to think about Christ with us everywhere, Amen. and Him responding in these situations. And then, and you know, even if the heat of the moment we get get overboard, when we pull back, we all be thinking, did I handle that the way Jesus oh. would have handled that? Did I respond in a Christ-like spirit? Was that the Spirit of God speaking through me, or was that not? You think, well, I mean, you know, it's just my parents. No, it's not. It's God behind them. You think, right, well, you know, my, you know, my employers. You ever work? That's that's all that is. No, it's not. It's Jesus behind them, or it's our employees not behaving right. Amen. And of course, that's not the spirit of God for them not to behave right. Amen. But we have to respond rightly to that. Right. Customers, whatever our pastor. Wives, those of you who are married, they have to submit to you, amen. But you have to love them too. Praise God. That doesn't mean, you know, we have to allow God to define love, but amen. You have to love them as Christ loved the church. That's a high order, amen. Sacrificially, giving your giving yourself, being willing to disappoint. Amen. All those things. I don't even give y'all counsel session on that. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Pastor. Even. You know, it could be anybody. We right. have to see Jesus behind. Amen. But to these men, Jesus was a stranger. They chided him. You're so out of touch, Jesus. 
Come on, man. Come into the 21st century. Jesus, you don't have a smartphone. What's wrong with you, man? You don't have the internet? I mean, come on. You need to come up to speed, Jesus. You don't, you, you're, you're so out of this. You don't know what's happening in the world. You know? That's what's wrong. Man, is Jesus strange to you? Is the application of Jesus from the pulpit strange to you? Or your parents? Or when you're reading the Bible? Amen. Hey some of us, what used to be a conviction and part of our separation from the world, it's now considered an oddity and unnecessary. Amen. I, I believe in convictions. You hear me? Amen. The Holy Ghost believes in convictions. Right. We've traded convictions for convenience. Some of us have let the spirit of this world creep into our hearts ever so slowly, and suddenly we think people who live the way we used to live, they're weirdos. Or they're legalistic. Some of us, the things you would have shouted amen to from this pulpit years ago, we shake our heads now and say, well, Jesus, he's not that strict. Gee, it's not a big deal. Jesus doesn't really care about that. That's optional. That won't send to hell. Amen. I don't know about you, but I still believe we're not to be conformed to this world, but we're to be transformed and having our mind renewed. Amen. Separation is a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah. Enough of this Amen. People hate separation. Jesus said, I came to bring a sword. Amen. That's I came right. to divide. That's I came right. to divide families, even. Amen. You would think, well, you know, church discipline is so, so unchristlike. No, it's not. It's unchristlike not to exercise it. I agree with what the pastor said the other night. I agree with him. I stand behind him. You're not going to see me get on Facebook and like it and comment on some of those people's posts because I don't know what their motive is behind it. I better move on from that. If there's a picture of their family, I can like that. You understand. But if they're trying to preach the Bible or teach the Bible, I'm not going to like that. You hear me? I'm standing with God and my pastor. If I had to lose friends to be a friend of God, so be it. If I had to lose all of you to be a friend of God, so be it. Who cares? I'd rather be friends with Jesus than friends with anybody in this world, no matter who they are or what they're like. We need God. I need God to put his utter hatred in my heart for the spirit of this age, for the spirit of this world, to be willing to put down anything, to be willing to make any sacrifice in the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ, and to be separated from that thing which is an enemy of God. As I've grown older, I've gotten a better appreciation for the, for the, the maturity and the strictness of some of yes, our convictions. Sir. All Amen. those things won't save you in and of themselves. But if you're saved, you're going to have some conviction yes, in your soul. Right. You're not going to be a saint of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. That world's going to try to shame you. Amen. But don't be ashamed. Spiritual people would rather be inconvenienced, thought strangely, ostracized, misrepresented, than to budge one inch towards that world that's the enemy of God. Amen. That's, that's a real Christian right there. It'd be better to offend the world than to offend the Holy God. That's right. It'd be better to offend every one of you than to offend the Holy God. Right. It'd be better to be out of touch with this world than to be out of touch with Jesus. Right. It'd be better, amen, to be considered a stranger by this world than to be con- than to consider Christ a stranger. Amen. amen. Praise God. 
Fourthly, they were filled with unbelief and skepticism regarding what the Word of God clearly said about Jesus. Jesus told them they were slow of heart and foolish in their attitude towards the Word of God. You know, if it's on YouTube or on Facebook, you better be slow of heart towards it. You better take it with a grain of salt. You better, amen, do some fact-checking, do some more research, amen. But if it's the Bible, you better embrace it. Right now, right away. Amen, Amen, Brother Preston, you believe Genesis chapter 1, verse 15. Amen. Praise God. You don't have to look at it. It's in the Bible. I believe it. Praise God. If it's in the Bible, I believe it. Praise the Lord. God shouldn't have to wait with us over obvious biblical truth. You know why they didn't recognize Jesus? Because they didn't believe what the Bible said about Jesus. That's what it is. Some of you don't believe what the Bible says about Jesus. Amen. We'll condemn the chosen and we're right to condemn it. But we fashion our own Jesus. We own Jesus. He tolerates our carnality. And you know, I think it's interesting. Jesus, he didn't so much correct them for not believing what he said, even though he could have. And they were wrong not to believe what he said. But he corrected them for the, not believing what the prophets said. Not believing what the Bible said. What's our attitude towards the word of God tonight? As it relates to our particular situation. Because it's easy to just say, well, yeah, of course we believe this. But when we apply it, do we really believe that's where the rubber meets the road. Amen. Why were they slow of heart to believe the word of God? Because it didn't seem very feasible to them. It didn't fit their vision and their view of who the Messiah of Israel should be. And that's the same reason people today in the church are slow to receive the word of God. Because it just doesn't seem like Jesus would be like that. I mean, surely Jesus wouldn't expect that of me. It's not a big deal. Yes, it is. The word of God is offensive to the carnal minds, the way of the cross, amen? And the reason why people struggle and they never get free and they wallow around in carnality is because they're refusing to embrace the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's right. That's the answer for you tonight. It takes faith to believe the word of God. It takes faith to relinquish your life that the resurrection life of Jesus might live in you. That takes faith. And faith comes to God and believes that he is. The old hymn says, make me a captive, and then I shall be free. Force me to render up my sword, and I shall conquer it. Amen. It's counterproductive to the, to the natural mind. But we believe what God said. Amen. They were not quick to agree with the word of God. You know, if you have a phone or a device, and Brother Bike, he probably, he probably knows about this. You ever, you ever had a slow phone, brother? And just, you know, your text messages, you know, just not working right. You can't download your text you know, you ever had like a data message come through and it's just like, you know, you know, you know, you know, fail. Okay. Try it again. You know, you know, you know, you fail. What's wrong with this stupid phone? Let me tell you something. It's annoying to God. And then when he sends you a message, you're slow to respond. Come on, that's right. You just, I'm not going to respond. Uh, let me think about that. I'll get back with you, God. Let, all right, we're going to fact check God. As if God needs to be fact checked. God wants you to respond now. Now is the day. Amen. You know, it's easy to love Finn. I love Finn. My Lord loves Finn. What about the rest of y'all? Raven Hill. I think y'all like Raven Hill. Brother Tozer. Brother Josh. Amen. Easy to love them, man. They're all dead. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's quite another thing, amen, to love 
practical application, That's which right. many raised in Tozer thought through our pastor or our parents. It's easy to be in a radio fan now that he's been dead for over 20 years. It's quite another thing for a man of God to apply the same things Raven up preached directly to me in my personal situation. Right. It's a lot different. Amen? Right. It's called discipleship. Right. No one's exempt from it. So what's the way back to a personal revelation of God? Amen? I know this has kind of been a long message tonight, but I really believe God is trying to speak to us. Amen? I was trying to get some things in our heart. Amen? If, if you just receive what God is, it's not right. me. This is not me. If you would just receive what the Holy Ghost is trying to give you tonight, you could be delivered. Right. You set free. You could you can leave this place and and just go on an upward journey from here on out. Amen. Walk into that new year, a new person in the Lord Jesus Christ. But what's the way back? First of all, he reproved them. Says Jesus rebuked them. He called them fools. I think your authority's hard. Amen. Jesus, Jesus told them yours. Fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets said. Pretty severe. If you don't receive correction and review, you're never going to have a revelation of God. So, you know, if, if you're never willing to admit that you're wrong about X, Y, and Z, that the Holy Ghost has been dealing with you about for a long time, you're never going to get free. Let's hang up with some of you. You won't receive correction. You won't receive review. You won't receive reproof. And you're stuck. You're, you're a victim of who you are. The reason we need correction is not because we think we're wrong, it's because we think we're right. That's right. Amen. Otherwise, we wouldn't need correction. We'd figure it out. We would be right all the time. If we knew we were wrong and we thought we were wrong, then the Holy Ghost wouldn't need to correct us. And the problem is, some of us think we're right, even though it's contrary to what our authority says, contrary to what the Bible says. Correction is for our good. To bring us along that we may not die. Say with me, correction is for my good. Amen. It takes faith to receive correction. Many times in the in that heat of the moment, when you're being corrected, I was there's no correction for the present seem to be um, joyous but grievous. But afterwards, you'll fruits of righteousness and you'll receive it. Why do we believe in parents disciplining and spanking their children? Because the Bible says. Because we believe parents all love their children. You, you scare the rod, you hate your son or your daughter. Someone doesn't spank their children when they need it, they don't love them. The next time you get a spanking from God, just remember that. You see children, you know, you see children run around, you know, sometimes, you know, or, and then, you know, the children here I think are pretty pretty good, comparatively speaking, but we can, you know, we can always, you know, bring the standard up some more. Praise God. But it's easy. I'm not, you know, I'm not here to preach about that. It's easy for me, though, to look around and be like, man, if I was a parent, boy, I sure I could get Libby in order, man. You know, I could get watch the kids in order, man. But Kobe's kid, his, his kid's too young, so it's, you know, can't do anything with, with his child, you know. He's, you know, but, you know, and I'm talking about, you know, spanking yeah. in, a, in a discipline, you know, in a right way, amen. There's obviously, you know, people that are, you know, wrong, amen, for those that would listen to this message, amen. I'm talking about biblical discipline. It's done with a loving heart, amen. But amen, I could, I could say, man, these children need some order, they need some discipline, man. But yet, God tries to discipline me. I'm running, whoo, I'm swinging, I'm going all over this place in these chandeliers, man. Way worse than the kids here or anywhere else, for that matter. And yet, I went, man, I'm just thinking. some of us are, amen. See it in everybody else, except for us. Why? 
practical application of the Word of God. Jesus started with Moses, and he took them through the Scriptures and showed them all things concerning himself. Amen. I want to just do things about it. He addressed their wrong view of him with the Bible. And how many times has God addressed your wrong view of himself through this pulpit by the word of God? Applying it practically to your life. You're going to have to receive that if you're going to go back to a personal present revelation of God. You know, this idea that we can't use the scriptures is satanic. Satanic. I picked up a book, I bought a book one time. It was an apologetics book on Jehovah's Witnesses, you know, to help you deal with Jehovah's Witnesses. Because I've dealt with Jehovah's Witnesses, and, you know, I, once I looked through the book, I thought, man, maybe I should write a book. <laughs> but uh, one of their biggest things was don't use the Bible. Don't use the Bible, man. That's the flashpoint, man. If you open up the Bible, there's just going to be this huge explosion. Don't use the Bible. Prove that they're wrong. Then you can bring in the Bible. That's a lie, friend. That's, right. a lie. That's a lie. But Jesus, he took them to the scriptures. Amen. He gave them the Bible. He didn't say, well, let me tell you what. Let me show you this new film series. So you can help, you can understand me better. And I'm going to blast that thing. Amen. That's another thing I agree with my pastor. Amen. I agree. All God needs is a preacher to stand up and preach the said God. Preach the word of God unapologetically, unashamedly. He don't need a puppet show. He don't need a rock concert. He don't need television. He don't need the internet. All he needs is a man full of the Holy Ghost to preach the word of God. That's it. That's that's the way God's going to deliver a country or a nation or a people. It's through the word of God being preached and thundered from the pulpit and being thundered on the street corner. Not through some film series. Misrepresents and twists the word of God. Amen. Jesus gave them Bible. He didn't correct the prophets. He didn't say, well, you know, I can understand. You know, it's kind of vague, you know. This really should be interpreted, you know. It's not really a day. It's really millions of years, you know. You know, you know they didn't really mean after three days. You know, that's not really what I meant. I meant, you know, like three million years, you know, I'd be resurrected, you know. You know, it's okay to, it's okay to punch back, you know. And, you know, when you're going to get crucified, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to not smite him, you know, or turn the other cheek. You know, I didn't really mean that literally, you know. He didn't try to make it fit in and dress it up to make it look good to them. It's not enough to merely agree with the Bible in general. You have to agree with it even when it slays you. And even when God uses somebody else to take it to slay you. You have to agree with it. Amen. It was practical and it was direct. Amen. Aren't you glad God's practical and direct? God doesn't go, you know, I have something to tell you, but, uh, you know, I really like, you know, holiness, you know. I really... You know, huh. you'd be really, you'd be good if you could be holy. You can't, you know, I'm going to tell you, you need to be holy. God's not like that. He's be holy, for I'm holy. That's right. Uh-huh. That's, that's wonderful. Amen. Well, rejoicing in He tells us what he, what, he, what he is. Amen. He divides between soul and spirit. Amen. Another thing, we're going to have to have Jesus abide with us. They said, Lord, he, Jesus made like he was going to go on. He said, Lord, no, no, no. Abide with us. Come in we need you. Come on. We want to continue this conversation. And I, I believe Jesus, he made as though he'd go on in order to test them. To test, That's right. Test what they're, you know, are they serious about this? Amen. 
How are they going to receive the word of better willingness? And he corrected them. He rebuked them. And they're, they're saying, come on, Lord. We want to hear. And that's how you need to be. And that's, some of you not like that. You've been corrected. Get out of here. I don't Separate. You know, that's the thing. People, they don't want to separate from carnal people, but they're willing to separate from Jesus. Come on. We're willing to lose their relationship with Jesus. Are we hungry for God? Are we you just treat God like a little something sweet? You know, like a little, you know, late at 10 o'clock at night, you know, I want a little something sweet out of the counter, you know. Is that how we treat God? Or is he our main? Come on. Everything. Our food and our drink. Everything. Our main course. Amen. Is Jesus merely a little piece of cake or is he our meat? Are we eager for God to abide with us? Do we long to fellowship with God? You say, brother, but brother, I've got to work, brother. I've got to work too, brother. Take Jesus with you. Take Jesus with you. Amen. Amen. All right. Forgive me. I've been listening to some Cajun. Praise God. I've got this uh, little Cajun podcast I listen to. So I've been... Changing my voice a little bit, you know, to play around with cages. Amen. I love their accent. Amen. Take Jesus with you. I have to take Jesus with you. You have to take Jesus. Don't go anywhere he refuses to go. Amen. Breaking of bread. You have to break bread with you. That symbolizes fellowship with God. The way back to a personal, present revelation, or revelation of God is going to be to break bread with him. To fellowship with him. To eat at his table. And you know, that's where he was known of them. He refused to pray. He refused to seek God. You're never going to know God. Ever. You have to spend time with him. You know, we've heard about prayer. We've read about prayer. We've preached about prayer. How do we actually pray? How do we really pray? It's time to ask God. Lord, teach us. Teach us to pray. We know, we, we, we've heard how to pray. We need to be taught to pray. And we're taught to pray. We'll, we'll learn how to pray. We'll learn yeah. how to do right. Prayer is fellowship with God. That's it. Fellowship with God. You know, think about, you know, we, we don't have as many fellowships as we used to, but think back to some of our fellowships, you know, when we've had fellowships here. And how noisy they can get sometimes. I'll tell you what, sometimes during that camp meeting, man, I go to the other end, you know, the, the, the little guys, because, man, there's no room at the table hardly, and you can't hardly hear anything, and it's not even worth sitting, trying to sit over there with the older men, trying to hear what they're saying, because you just get out of it, baby. So I'd rather just go sit with the young men, and, you know, fellowship with them, or try to be a blessing to them. Amen? But, uh, you know, think about how noisy that is. People fellowship with them. What about our fellowship with Jesus? It'd be a weird thing, you know, if we had one of those camp meeting fellowships and, you know, we walk in and the tables are full, man, everybody's there eating. That's so great. That'd be weird, wouldn't it? That's right. Come on. That's right. Yeah. It'd be strange, man. I thought, what is going on? Man? Come on, this is weird. Weird stuff here. I mean, that's what it's like when we have a prayer meeting with people. And I'm really interested in fellowshipping with God. Silence can be. Amen. There's time for meditating. But not to, we don't have a, a meditating meeting. We have a prayer meeting. We need to pray a prayer meeting. Praise God. Amen. Close it. Praise the Lord.
Season of healing. We've been, you know, we've been in, a, in this situation for quite a while now. I preached this four years ago. We were still some of the same stuff that, that, that's going on. You know, the, the purging. You know, all the issues that were going on. It was there then. That's right. And, it, and some of it's still here. The word of Christ. That's right. Will we allow God to rekindle the fire? Or we just join the list of happiness? Mm. I don't want to do that. Come on. You say, brother, I don't feel like going to the cross. I'm sure Jesus didn't feel like going to the cross either. It doesn't matter. It's the right thing to do. You ought to do it. And if you don't do it, you'll have an eternal hell to pay for. You say, well, brother, I just, I feel like I might be in it for the wrong reasons, you know. I feel like, you know, you know, some of us young men, maybe some of us that are not married. You know, here's how the devil works. It's always like a vicious circle. You know? He'll sit on your shoulder and he'll tell you, you know, you're just trying to press in because you want to get married. Mm -hmm. Oh, so don't press in. Oh, wow, that ain't God, right? But then, he'll tell you, you're never going to get married because you're not pressed in. And it's just that vicious circle to keep you from getting a hold of God. And really, it doesn't matter. And that's what you need to take authority over your mind. And say, devil, it doesn't matter whether I ever get married. So what? So what? And you, you can choose to do that. I got all these feelings. So what? Crucify your feelings. Let Jesus be the Lord of your life. He, de he deserves your all. Lay down his life for you. Just tell the devil to shut up. Amen. It's not about me and my future. My, what are my plans, you know, and all those things. Amen. It ain't about that at all. It's about Jesus. And you can choose to have it be about Jesus in your mind. Don't let the devil trip you up. Amen. Press in anyways. Amen. The way I looked at it is I need to be pressed in regardless. If I get married, I certainly need to be pressed in. There's, there's nothing wrong with pressing in, knowing that God's probably going to have me get married one day, maybe. Nothing wrong with that, so long as it's not my primary motivation. Right. So, yeah. But regardless, if I, if I don't get married, I need to press in. Right. I want to go to hell. Sure. Or I'm backsliding, or misrepresenting Jesus, or not doing what God's called me to do. So press in regardless of what you feel like, or those motives, amen? I, you know, God can fix your motives. You'll just come to an altar and pray. Yeah. Amen. Get on your face before you say, Brother, I feel like I have wrong motives. Get on your face and cry to God until He fixes everything in that heart. Yeah. 
And he'll do it. You got a wrong motive, he'll expose it and you can repent right there. But if you constantly circle up around, bro, I just don't know if I'm in it for the right reasons. I just circle. You're going to go to hell. You're never going to get through to God that way. The Bible says, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. That's the answer. And that alone will be That'll be enough. That's all you need to do. Ask, seek with all of your heart. We read that scripture the other day. They be seeking you with all your heart. You'll find them. The windows of heaven will open to your heart. You say, well, brother, God's just nowhere to be. I read every time I pray, I just, it, heaven's black. You know, I can't, God, God is nowhere to be found. So what? Keep coming. Right. Keep knocking. I remember the story uh, that, that the prophet Daniel told. Amen. He prayed for what? 21 days? Is that right? 21 days, and you can get an answer. But I can have 21st day, son. <coughs> Take it right now. That 21st day he got through. Amen. Uh, Brent, if you'll just keep on seeking Jesus with a right heart and a sincere heart and a true heart that really wants to get through to God, it might take you 21 days. It might take you. I don't believe it'll take that long. Because I believe if you really seek God, he's going to come to you. And you just keep coming. But it doesn't matter. Whether, however long it takes, come to God with a sincere heart. And he will respond. He comes to those that are a broken and a contrite spirit. Amen. But if you don't, you'll be the blame. Because Jesus is here to set you free. Reach out. Take his yoke. Allow the cross to work in your life. Allow Jesus to take over. And, and get to know him. Amen. Get to get to walk with him. Spend time with him. I mean, that's the key. And that's the answer. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. You know, I know Timothy preached it every way it can be said, and we've heard it from the pulpit pretty much every way. It can be said, you know, but there's a danger for us to take the holy thing as common. And, you know, you forget sometimes, you know, Tuesday night is just an upbeat night. We've got to go there, have our short little 10 minute service, and get out and go about whatever was interesting to me before service, or whatever, and maybe that's for all of us. We need to remember that God is speaking to us. Right. Amen. God is using, yeah, Timothy preached but God is speaking through him to us. And what is God addressing? He's addressing our lack of and our need for a deeper love and commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. And like Timothy said, you can come up in this church and you can memorize the Bible from the front to the back. You can have every conviction around. You can have it all in place in the outward. But if you don't love the Lord Jesus with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, then you're just walking down the Emmaus Road and you don't even recognize it. And that's the word of the Lord to us. Because there's some of us in here. We, you don't recognize Jesus. Really. You, you've got things in the outward in place, but you need a deeper revelation. We all need a deeper revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what's the answer? You know, Timothy talked about actions. You know, I, I believe this is you know a battle that, and this is why it's been addressed. But you know, your feelings are not who you are. What you choose to do with your will is who you are. 
And, and if you're sitting around waiting for God to, you know, one day it's going to be convenient and I'm just going to start praying for hours on end. And uh, that's not how it works, friend. Right. Uh, if you're thinking, well, one day I'm going to get broken and I'm going to start crying and it's just going to be in. I'm just going to go down to the altar and I'm finally going to get through and I'm going to pray through like they talk about because some, I'm going to feel something. Like you're just, you're going to wait for an eternity. That's what's going to happen. And you're going to wait till you end up waiting in hell. You're going to have to choose to get up, put aside whatever is hindering you, whatever lawful activities it may be. It could be anything and everything could be hindering you. But whatever it is, you need to lay it down. And you need to choose to press in. And it's high time. If you're, if you're waiting around, you're just a ticking time bomb to be just like some of these other people. You're, it's a matter of time. We're right. going and out of here. And just as if you, some of y'all looking around, and, and, and amen, too. We're looking at some who have left here, and they are utterly, completely, totally deceived, backslid, on their way to hell. I can't believe they would watch the chosen and think that's of God. You'll be there, too, friend. Come on, man. You'll be the same Come person on. if you don't seek God. Right. And that goes for every. For me, if I quit seeking Jesus, I'm going to end up just, right. just like that. Uh, we need to choose to seek God while we have time. It's high time to lay aside the foolishness and the, and the, and the uh, immaturity, so to speak, and to rise up and be what God's called us to be. Yeah. And the answer is to, you know, what, what's the will of God? You know, we hear a message like this. Yeah, we, and we hear it over and over again. Why are we moving forward? Because we're not responding the way we should. Right. Come on. So what is the will of God for, for us right now? The will of God for us to walk, every one of us to walk out of here. And for whatever area we're going to get, for, it may get, be different for every person. But I know he's calling every one of us to a deeper walk with him. So whatever that is, we need to walk out of here and go, okay, from this day forward, I am going to do such and such and such and such and seek God like he's telling us to do it. Guess what? If you do that, within, within a month, this truck is going to be completely You'll be totally different. And if, if you know others didn't do it, if you do it, you will have personal. I guarantee you, the Holy right. Ghost guarantees you. Huh. If you seek Him with your whole heart, you'll find Him. That's right. Come on. Come on. Amen. The problem is you're not seeking. Right. If you seek Him, though, you'll find Him. That's right. Amen. We need to have ears to hear, and by having ears to hear, that's choosing what our actions to obey what God is telling us through the preaching of His Word and through our devotion. Amen. Praise God. Let's stand here tonight. Brother Sam, would you close with prayer, brother? Oh, Father, we thank you, Lord, in your words. We pray, Lord, that we would not just be hearers, but doers of the word of God. Yes. Help us, Lord, to allow the Holy Ghost to apply it to our hearts individually, Lord, and just to, to yes. seek you, Lord, yes. to choose, Lord, to come to yes. you and just seek you with our whole heart. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Love every one of you. We'll see you tomorrow. We're